And welcome everyone, glad you're joining us for tonight's second part of This Is Why We Have the Psalms. So as, uh, as we've said before, so now we say again, be sure to hit the share button and comment. Uh, so a lot of people are already commenting. I love to see all the faces that are out there. And tonight, if you have a thought or a, a question or uh, anything like that, be sure to throw it out there. I'm going to do my best to teach and look here at you all and also monitor comments down here. And uh, I'll give it my best effort, all right? Uh, so before I forget, in light of the, uh, the governor's executive order today, uh, however you would say it, the... Uh, shelter at home or the stay at home or stay uh, safer at home order. Um, you know, people are wondering uh, what's essential, what's not essential, and we are happy to report that church is essential. We've always told you church is essential. The book of Hebrews told you church is essential, and now you've heard it from the governor of the state of Florida. Church is essential. So we will uh, be having online church on Sunday morning. We're going to continue to be wise and we'll keep you updated. We're not going to, you know, even bring in uh, 10 worshipers to the Sunday morning worship service, but um, we're, we're going to stream online and you're going to worship from where you are because frankly, friends, this is working great. And uh, you know, you never know how things are going to work out when you first start them, but Sunday morning worship is really encouraging. So quite a good group have joined us uh, here online already, and we're going to jump in to Psalms. So the Psalms are prayers we pray. And so for those of you who weren't with us last week, we said that the Psalms are prayers we pray. They're often set to music, uh, so you can remember them, so you can worship your way through them as you pray. So the Psalms are prayers we pray when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what to say, when we don't have words of our own, when our heart needs to be centered. The Psalms are raw. Uh, they speak the tone of everyday human life. They're earthy. They're gritty. They reach to the highest of mountaintops and go to the bare bones bottom of the valley. The Psalms have the full shape and contour of the human experience because they're written by real and honest people for real and honest people. These were the prayers of the people of Israel, and these are the prayers that we can pray. And so, uh, as I mentioned last week, I was standing on the beach uh, before they closed all of that down and uh, was just asking the Lord, what, what do you want me to teach? And the thought came into my mind, this is why we have the Psalms. Like these days, this, these days are tailor-made for the Psalms. So tonight we're going to jump into Psalm 142. If you want to grab your Bible or pull it up uh, in another window or on another device, or you could just listen to me because after all, back in the day, that's how they would have done it anyhow. One person would have read and the rest would have listened. So why don't you listen along, Psalm 142. I'm doing the English Standard Version, which is what I do. So 142, here we go. You ready? This is, um, this is what they used to call a paper Bible. Uh, it's the best-selling book of all time. Uh, it's also, I've heard, the most shoplifted book of all time. And we're turning actual uh, pages in an actual book. Isn't that crazy? So Psalm number 142, you are my refuge. And this is David, it says, when he was in the cave. David, when he's in the cave. 
With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they've hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There's no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. So he's in a cave. He's hiding from a psychopath who is the king, uh, Saul. And Saul senses that David is being raised up to be the king. There's a power struggle. David's on the run. David's not fighting for power. Paul's, or Saul's just uh, really insecure and psychotic. And so David flees for his life. And now he's cut off from everything that he knows and the shelter and the safety of home. And he's hiding in a cave and he writes this psalm, this prayer, from the cave. Let's break it down together. So let's start in verse 1. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. And I, I don't so much want us to get technical with all this as much as I want, how do I say it? I want you to hear that <laughs> the most beloved king in the history of Israel, you know, Jesus notwithstanding, but the most beloved king in the history of Israel is vocalizing from his interior life, what he's experiencing and how he's relating to God. And he's doing that. He's putting it out there because people like you can pick this up and can say, this gives language for what I'm going through. So there's going to be something in here tonight that's going to resonate with you. So he says, uh, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. With my voice. I love that. With with my voice, only you have your voice. Only you have your voice. I have various guitars on the back wall. You can see, how many can you see? You can see one, two, three of them there. There's a little one sitting around here. I just have picked a few up over the years. And, and this guy right here just has a nice medium tone and that guy there, it's a, it's a little higher in from a tonal quality, and that one over there is just deep and bassy, and this, this little one right here is just easy for little hands, and you know, it's not in tune, but it's just, it's just a solid up the middle guitar. Each of these guitars have their own tone. And honestly, sometimes when I'm playing something that's a little more moody in a minor key, I just like to go way over here to the deep guy. And just play that one in the same way that these instruments have their own tone even though they're all guitars your voice has its own authenticity your voice is like a signature it's like a thumbprint it's your voice other people could imitate your voice but it would it would never be the same as your voice and it's your voice that you bring to god so don't try and necessarily bring somebody else's voice to god 
Although it can be helpful to learn to pray by imitating other people for a while, eventually all the great singers and artists know you can only imitate for so long before you have to find your own voice. And it's your voice that God wants to hear. So nobody else can pray for you. Nobody else can pray in your voice. David speaks aloud to God. I love that. I love that. So it says here, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. You know, I think it's, um, I think it's one thing uh, to pray in your mind, and I think that's helpful sometimes. But I think in times like these, in times like we're in right now, you need to hear your voice. Your family needs to hear your voice. This isn't a time for thinking happy Jesus thoughts. This is a time to say, oh God, I need you. Your children, if you're raising children, they need to hear mom's voice and dad's voice. If, you're, if you find yourself you know, talking to grandchildren, take an opportunity to pray for them and pray with them out loud. With a friend, hey, could I pray for you? It's only the most severely angry and cranky people who don't want prayer right now. Goes, hey, could I pray for you? Pray out loud. You need to hear your voice. Your voice changes atmospheres in the room. I'm not saying that silent prayer doesn't work. I'm saying something happens when your voice fills a room. It changes the atmosphere. It encourages your own heart to hear your own voice. So we need to hear you, and you need to hear you, and your family needs to hear you, and let whoever is around you hear you when you're praying sometimes. Again, okay to be silent, whatever. You're like, well, I just don't want to pray out loud. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute because you can't mess it up. It's probably not that you're afraid of messing it up. It's probably that you're insecure about other people hearing you pray. Well, you know what, my friends? It's okay. We're all insecure about some things, and you know what we got to do? We got to get over it because sometimes we have to let our voice be heard. And I'm not talking about protesting and everything else. I'm talking about prayer. Let your voice be heard. David says, I cry out. I cry out. Beth McWater says, it's not a passive crying out. It's a desperate, heart-wrenching crying. Exactly. When you're, in a, when you're in a cave, you're not praying pretty prayers. You're crying out. And that crying out is Exodus language. It's what God's people did when they were enslaved in the land of Egypt. They cried out. They didn't sit around thinking happy God thoughts. They cried out out. And so crying out, David says, listen, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I am being persecuted here. I feel abandoned here. I feel imprisoned here. And he cries out. It's what God's people do when they're in distress. So David longs to be delivered. David believes that the God who delivered before will deliver again. They always look back to the Exodus. There are a few big moments in scripture. One is the Exodus. Another are the exiles. Because God delivered before, God will deliver again. And because of the fact that they cried out before, they know that crying out is the language and the tone and the temperature of prayer whenever things are really rough. So David says, uh, I, 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 I cry out to you. It says, I cry out to you because he thinks that God hears I know that there are probably some people watching who wonders if God hears. God hears. God just doesn't always respond in a way in a time that you think that God would or should, but God hears. So go ahead and cry out. So I plead to the Lord for mercy. 
It's like the nature of God is mercy. If you think that the nature of God is like strict judgment, that God is like the cosmic traffic cop or this eternal cosmic judge who's just, you know, just mad about everything because they're out of toilet paper at Publix again. You know, it's and, and let me just say something really quick. I, I believe I, I believe in providing for your family. I also know that poor people can't buy in bulk, so we have to leave some. <laughs> okay. There are people who are hurting right now. And I'm not saying don't provide, don't prepare. I'm just saying the poor can't buy in bulk. So this is a great way to be the people of God right now is to do what we need, but also not not to just make sure that that your that your neighbors are taken care of. So I'll just I'll just put that out there. I've been reading a little bit of of the Old Testament. It seems that it's very practical to care for the poor. So uh, pleading to the God uh, God for mercy. David believes that it's God's nature to show mercy. So many people think God's out to get them. God's a stern judge, but the nature of God is mercy. So I want to take a moment here, and I want to just ask, what resonates with you? I see Melanie Webster here. Yes, amen. We have started praying over people in the world with our kids, like a full prayer meeting. It's amazing how much our kids learn how to talk to God through example. Exactly. Absolutely. Sharing your heart and your rawness. Man, we're going to talk about that in just a second. The nature of God is mercy. 100%. Yeah. There we go. I see it. I see it. God's going to take care of us, friends. We don't have to be afraid right now. Fear's natural. Things are crazy, but God will take care of us. The second verse, I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. Before him, more literally translated, literally translated is like to his face. So I pour out my complaint before him. I pour out my complaint to God's face. I tell my trouble to God's face. I go to God's face and I pour out my complaint and I pour out my trouble. It's okay to be honest. Yeah, Jamie, you just picked up on that. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to be raw. It's okay to be unfiltered. I might have even said a bad word one time in prayer and I know God forgave me, but I got caught up. I said something like, doggone it. But I'll just tell you, it's okay. I'm not saying be vulgar. I'm saying be real. Be real with God. And it's okay if you get it wrong every now and again. It's okay if you get a little worked up every now and again. It's okay if you complain every now and again. It's okay if you say something to God in prayer that later you regret. I'm not saying be disrespectful. I'm saying be honest. And I think God would prefer your honesty. Even if it gets a little bit real, then God would prefer your polished words that aren't real. So I'm not saying disrespect God. I'm saying sometimes the deepest respect we can give to God is just to be honest. Don't you love it when people are honest with you? Wouldn't you want, wouldn't you want your child to be honest with you, even if they're angry? Even if they, they don't say things exactly right? Yeah, you would want to be honest with you. Yeah, that's right. And so does your father because he sees through all the other stuff anyhow. So why not be honest, right? So pour out the complaint. Be honest. Better to be honest than to be polished. <sighs> Some people are like, I don't know how to pray. Well, do you know how to be honest? If, if, you don't, if you don't know how to pray, do you know how to be honest? If you don't know how to pray, do you know how to be honest? If you know how to be honest, then just be honest. Maybe you don't know how to, maybe you actually do know how to pray and you've just been taught that prayer has to be a certain thing or you've heard religious people pray. Oh God, maker of heaven and earth, thou art holy. God's like, 
man, could we just get on with it? I appreciate the preamble, but could we just get into the meat of the matter? Why don't you stop? Why don't you take like uh, religious Ron out of your mind? Or like uh, take take away like weird sister Lulu who always did weird stuff in prayer? And why don't you just be honest with God in your mind? That's what the Psalms give you permission to do. Maybe you, you don't know how to pray because you've been taught there's a right way, but the only right way to pray, according to this, is to use your voice and to be honest. So use your voice and you be honest. Beverly says here, in God's silence, he's still working in our favor. Tori says he knows our hearts anyway. Yeah, better to pour out the heart. Kristen says God already knows our honest thoughts and hearts, so wouldn't we share our honest prayers with him too? Yeah. Absolutely. Your kids will learn how to pray a lot better if you'll just talk to God like you talk to them. Well, I mean, don't necessarily yell at them, whatever, but anyhow. Uh, Tim says, Jesus asked the Father why he had forsaken him. Beautiful, beautiful. Psalm 22, right before Psalm 23. Shooting the breeze with God, speaking the most honest way you're able because I certainly don't have the polish. That's good. Brandon Cotton says, what's up with the eggs? Brandon, I have no clue what you're talking about. Maybe the stores are out of eggs. I don't know. Bring all your worries and anxieties to him. Have a relationship with him. Go to him first. Jorah says, if we are holding ourselves back in our own prayers, that means we're not desperate, that we are still trying to hold control over the situation. That is truth. So just everybody go and like that right there because that's the real deal. Uh, let's see here. Connie, just talk. That's what prayer is. Everyone can do that. God is your friend. God can heal. God God can heal what we won't reveal. Probably God can't heal. Let's see. Oh, yeah. There we go. Cynthia, I pray before I leave work. I ask, I ask why am I an essential worker? I pray how I'm afraid. I'll get this disease and bring it home to my parents and my daughter. I find peace by God's word. So many people right now are out there on the front lines of things. They're like, I, it's not even so much my own life I'm concerned about. It's just all those that are around me. I know. I, I, I don't know, but I can hear it in your voice, and through that I can know. There are people who are underemployed or who are unemployed right now because of this. There are some people who are virtually untouched economically, and there are a lot of people that this, essential, uh, this, um, this new executive order is going to impact in a very real way. Absolutely. There are other people that it's not going to impact, and they're panicking, and they're going and buying all of the toilet paper. Uh, the grocery store is going to be open tomorrow. You heard it from me. The grocery store will be open tomorrow. It'll be there. And they won't have toilet paper because everybody bought it today. All right, let's keep going here. Where are we? Let's see. All right. Verse number three, when my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Now, notice here, and I won't say a lot of commentary about this verse, but notice here the change from talking about God to talking to God. You, you know, you know my way. There's a time in prayer, I think, sometimes when we're talking, we're talking like to God. There's a time where we're really talking to God. And you can see that shift. He goes from talking about God to talking to God. Prayer is relational. David's talking right to the face of God. Prayer is relational. And there's this belief uh, that David's doing more than just talking to the man upstairs. He believes that he's talking to God. 
And David knows that he's in big trouble. He's in deep. He's up the creek without a paddle. So verse four, look to the right and see there's no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. There's no human deliverer at David's right hand. The situation is utterly hopeless by all appearances. And there's no refuge for David. He's looking around. He's like, I've got nothing. I ain't got nothing. I'm all out of options. I ain't got nothing. And then, then watch the pivot. I cry to you, O Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. I love the fact that David thinks that things are going to turn around in the land of the living. He's not looking for his eternal reward in the sky only. He believes that things are going to turn around in the land of the living. And I think that we can hold on to that, that things will turn around in the land of the living. When there's no apparent help, David affirms that God is his refuge because he's out of options. David is living by a power that he can't see. His apparent weakness is actually his greatest strength. The fact that there's no help around him means that David has to draw on an unseen help that is stronger than him. When we say that we are genuine stronger, that we're not just going to survive, but we're going to thrive, that we're not just going to be strong, we're going to be stronger, it's not because we're going to do something in our own effort, in our own strength, even our spiritual disciplines, it's because we're going to trade our strength for God's strength. Because when you don't have any other options, what do you do? The thing you should have done to begin with. And that's to trade your strength for God's strength. And that sounds like, oh, that's nice talk. That's nice talk. How do I do that? You do it with your dadgum voice. You do it honestly. You do it in prayer. God, I'm out of options. I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I feel alone. God, I feel abandoned. David was in a stinking cave. And he turned to God in strength. Remember that? Verse from Paul, I'm, was it Paul? I'm pressed but not crushed. I'm persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Do you remember that? I'm trading. He traded his strength for God's strength. And that's why he was like, I'm okay with dying every day. Because when I die, I live. Yeah? I don't know how to teach that. All right. I love this, this little thought right here. I cry to the Lord. I say, you're my refuge, my portion. He's like, I don't have a refuge anywhere. I, I don't have a refuge. I'm in a cave. I don't have a refuge anywhere. Nowhere I can run and hide that's secure. And then he's like, oh, God is my refuge. And God is my strength. For some people, seeing is believing. They're like, well, I'll believe in God when God does this for me, when God does that for me. I'll believe whenever I see. For some people, seeing is believing, but not for the person of faith. For the person of faith, for the psalmist, for David, believing is seeing. Sometimes we think, uh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but not for the person of faith. You, you, you believe it, then you see it. Your, your, your faith opens your eyes. It reorients your heart. It helps you to see the possibilities that were not there before. It helps you to see things differently. It enables you to go, Jesus, help me to see this how you see it. Everybody else is panicking. Everybody else is freaking out. But Jesus, help me to see it how you see it. And then Jesus says to you something like, why don't you just bring me what you have? That's what we talked about this morning. Just bring me what you have. And when you bring Jesus what you have, what does he do? He multiplies it so it's more than enough. You see, I don't know how you're going to get through this. I don't know how God's going to get your need. I don't have to know how you're going to get through this. I don't know how God's going to meet your need. But you, when you believe, you will see the goodness of God. I'm not even saying that anything will physically change. I'm saying that you will change. 
You see, because God doesn't always change your circumstances, God changes you in the midst of your circumstances. God doesn't always change what you see, God changes the way you see things. And that's a great benefit for a person of faith, is we're not looking through the lens of lack and scarcity, we're looking through the lens of abundance and faith. And that's not health and wealth, that's not prosperity gospel. If you can't in times like these believe that God has got your back and will get you through, then I don't know what the point of following Jesus is all about. Because if he doesn't have you in times like this, it doesn't matter in other times. It doesn't matter on Sunday mornings where you have to sit in quarantine. It doesn't matter on Sunday mornings whenever you come and you can smell the person next to you's cologne. Now you're just smelling the person next to you's morning breath because they haven't brushed their teeth in a week. All right, next. Ooh, where am I even talking about? Verse number six. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Attend to my cry. I'm brought very low. I love the Psalms, man. David's so honest. He's so honest. He's like, attend to my cry. I am very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. They're too strong for me. David's not a health and wealth, prosperity, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, preacher. Oh, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. You're running 103 degree fever. Oh, but I'm not sick. I'm not confessing it. And I'm not sick. You're sick. You're sick. But I'm not sick. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Bro, you're sick. Jesus will heal you fine, but you're still sick. Well, I'm, I'm not this. I'm not that. People are so afraid to be honest. I don't know what the deal is. Jesus is looking at you going, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, I want you to heal me. Isn't it apparent? I can't walk. He's like, okay, then stand up and walk. You see, it's okay to say how things are. That doesn't mean they're going to stay that way. It just means you're in touch with reality. You see, we're, <laughs> as Christians, we don't live in denial that this is a crisis. As Christians, we don't live in denial that this is bad. D during, during it, there was a story uh, in, in the book Good to Great that there was this general uh, that, that not only had to endure being a prisoner of war, but he had to lead other people for whom he was responsible who were also prisoners of war. And I think he said something like, uh, somebody asked him, like, how did you get through it? Or, or who was it uh, that got through it? And you would think that he would say it was the optimist. He's like, no, it wasn't the optimist. It was the people who just, who knew they had to get through that day. Optimism is like, this is going to be over tomorrow. This isn't going to be over tomorrow. You're going to have to do this again tomorrow. So, so some, some Christian pastors would say, listen, if you don't come to the church building, you're not going to be under the cover of God. You're living in fear. You're living in panic. The devil's got you. Well, my friends, the only problem with that is David was hiding in a cave. He was hiding in a cave because he was being pursued by the enemy. We don't deny the fact that we have an enemy. We don't deny the fact that there's a virus. We don't deny the fact that life is really hard. We don't deny the fact that the stock market goes like this. We don't deny the fact that we could catch this at any moment. God forbid. We don't deny any of those facts. What we say is, even in the midst of that, I will trust God. Even though I'm hiding out in a cave, God is my refuge and my strength. You see, we're not living in denial. We're living in reality and reality with God where we say that the Lord is going to help us. That's faith. Faith isn't the denial of things that are. Faith is seeing reality through God's eyes and knowing even if I die, even if I die, nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. 
So we're not telling people deny the facts. We're not telling people deny reality. No, 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 no. We're, we're saying this is real. This is as real as it gets right now. And this is also as real as God gets right now because we need him right now. So there's that. You can keep counting on what can go wrong or you can keep counting on God. So somebody says, Jennifer says, sometimes we forget God doesn't just want the big stuff. It's the small stuff too. When we forget how eager God is to help us with all things, we start depending on ourselves and stop asking him. Alicia says, there is none who takes notice of me. We all have felt that way, even with a best friend or spouse. You had to talk about that, didn't you? Yep, that's real. We've all felt abandoned by people who we thought would be there for us. I've had some friends that I've had to really, really just pray through right now. Let's see. Jennifer says, preach it, bring it. My bad, y'all. I got a little excited. When we are weak, he is strong. All of this doesn't change how much God loves us and the pain he has for us, the plan he has for us. We are to depend on him. He's all we need. Every bit of this world will let you down, but God is the constant. That's all that matters. Kyle says, when we worry, we're allowing our minds to dwell on difficult circumstances, allowing fears and other stresses that are weighing us down. We're consumed over actual things. We're facing our potential circumstances that may never occur. Worry causes us distress to all areas of our body. Yes. It prevents us from sleeping, impacts our relationships, affects our appetites, and causes us to perform poorly at work. <laughs> Dude, you said it. Worry doesn't change the things you're thinking about. It really just jacks up the way you're thinking. So, yeah, uh, let's see. It changes us. It changes what we see and how we speak. Yeah, good, good. I so love you guys. Y'all are, are just, this is a mature group of, of disciples. It doesn't mean we won't be afraid. It just means we're going to keep walking. Yeah. Attend to my cry for I'm brought very low. Probably describes half the country right now. Absolutely. Jessica Morris, God is moving. The world will open their eyes. I love to see God moving, especially when it hurts, because when he moves, beautiful things happen. Oh, yeah, that he gives beauty for ashes? That means sometimes there's ashes. That's real. Man, so good. Y'all are tearing it up. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Yeah. Good, 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 good. We're getting it. Listen, I want to encourage you this week, pray. Pray out loud. Pray like you haven't prayed during all of this. Let you Spray the walls with your spit while you pray as long as you're alone. Just go ahead and cut loose and just paint the walls with your prayers right now. You need to say it out loud. Get alone. People are like, what's he doing? What's she doing? Oh, he's just talking to the God. He's talking to God again. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and pray. Number seven, verse seven. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully with me. Bring me out. It's more Exodus language. It's more getting out of Egypt language. Like God did before, God will do again. You right now have to remind yourself of what God did before. That's helping you see differently. Remind yourself of what God did before. Because the same God who brought you out before is the God who will bring you out again. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have some scars. Doesn't mean that things aren't going to hurt. Doesn't mean that this isn't going to get rougher before it gets better. It just means that the God who is with you now is also the God who was with you then and brought you through. And in the end of it, he says, uh, Bring me out of prison. I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. <laughs> What's How will David know whenever everything's all right again? He'll be surrounded by the saints again. 
David will know, oh, we've come through this. How? Whenever he's with the church family again. David will know things are back to normal. How will he know things are back to normal? Well, he'll be with his sisters and brothers again. I can't wait till I'm with you again. How many of you all out there are uh, loving online church, but would just rather be at the church, eating some scones, lifting your hands, and worshiping the Lord together with the saints? I know, I know. We're seeing some thumbs up emojis, some heart emojis coming up. I feel that. I can't wait to be surrounded by the saints again. So tell me what you're taking away from all of this. What are you getting out of this? Sherry says, give your worry to the Lord. Oh, yeah. Alicia says, my heart breaks for the ones who don't know God. Brandy says, spray the walls with your spit. No, you didn't. I think I did, actually. I did. I'm very sorry, but I did. Uh, let's see. Da-da-da-da. Uh, Oh, needed this, brother. Not about this virus, but situations in my family. I needed this so much, I screenshotted this. <laughs> no, I think a screenshot is like a picture. So I'm not sure what picture you got, but I hope it was a good one. Uh, the word says, when you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will intercede for us. This is why it's so good to journal. You can look back at God's faithfulness and know he will do it again. Jane Davis is giving pro tips right there. I told you that earlier this week or last week. Right now, keep a journal. What do I write? Whatever's on your mind, whatever you're thinking about. Two or three sentences, it's good enough. Yeah. Good, good, good. Good. Well, we made it through Psalm 142. I think last week we did Psalm 42, and now Psalm 142. And uh, we'll do another psalm next week. So I think, I think that's it for tonight. And um, if you haven't yet, go ahead and hit share. Send this out to your friends. And uh, tag a person who really frustrates you. Uh, so I'm happy we can do this on Facebook too. I love this. I love this. As much as I, I, I'm, doing way more of, I'm doing way more teaching now than I did in a normal week. It's so much fun. So, uh, hey, Sunday morning's coming, Sunday at 10 a.m. Y'all be there. Be ready to go. You've been there the last couple of weeks. Be there. Be fired up. Get your, get your uh, emojis going and your hearts going. Grab a cup of coffee. Gather the family together. And this week, kick it up a notch. You got you to gotta go Emerald style and, and just kick it up just a notch, right? And just put a little more, a little more into it, a little more lifting of the voice, a little more praising, a little more worshiping, a little more amening from the couch. Why? Because you need to hear your voice and your children need to hear your voice. Your children, this is going to be something they'll remember for the rest of their life. Now, some of them are too little. They'll be like, ah, I just remember I stayed at home from school for a little while. But some of your children, they're going to remember this for the rest of their life. And you know what they're going to remember more than anything? They're going to remember the faith that you had. You're not going to be perfect. Just be honest. All right. So, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. And then uh, we'll do that, what, Thursday and Friday? Take off uh, Saturday, and then we'll come right back on Sunday for church. I love you. I love all of y'all. Oh, and uh, for those of you who are wondering, uh, Father Louie is officially with Kate Breda this week. So Kate Breda is looking out for Father Louie, my goldfish. And so they've decorated his tank. It's so good. I'm hoping they'll bring that tank with them on Sunday because they can't. 
All right. Is that all? That's all? That's all? Seeing all the... Oh, here we go. We're at the bottom. How about scones for curbside pickup on Sunday? I don't think that's an essential service. <laughs> but you can make your own scones and take a picture and share it out and be like, that's good stuff. We miss the scones. Well, friends, love you. That's it for tonight. God bless you. See you soon.